Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Ostrom here, Iowa Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Mind Your Banners for Monday, October 17th, 2022. He is Dustin DePeric, Iowa Insider, Bloomington Herald Times. Uh, we'll talk a little football today and then I think dive, Dustin, we've been promising a deeper dive into basketball. We're going we're gonna to get into it today. Mm. But just to kind of quickly clear the decks on football, a disappointing weekend for Indiana, um, a weekend that felt like a, a, a real opportunity missed yep. to maybe put this season back on track a little bit. Um, and the kind of game, and this is a bit of an oversimplification, but this has been in the seasons when Indiana has flirted with being good enough to achieve something like bold eligibility, but ultimately right. fallen short. It's been this kind of game they've lost. Right. One went usually against Rutgers or Maryland, maybe mm-hmm. Purdue, one that sort of presents itself. There's some opportunities. They play well enough in some aspects to earn a win, but they can't finish in the fourth quarter. Yeah, right, exactly. It's a, it's one of those games where they lose by a score. There's some kind of mistake or a couple of mistakes that you can look back and say, well, if this doesn't go there, you could win this game. Um, but you also look at it and say, well, those that was one of your best opportunities. That was one of your best chances. You had a whole bunch of things go your way. You had a couple of things that didn't go your way, but like you, you, you got to be able to win that game when when that's the balance, basically, when, when you have you know this many mistakes at home. Um, but when, when you catch it, you know, I mean, like, you hate to use the phrase catch a break when you're talking about uh, an injury. I haven't seen what the state of affairs is for Talia Tagovailoa today. Um, I don't think Loxley talks until Tuesday. He doesn't I think talk he talks on Tuesday, Tuesday okay. so I think that's what we're going to find out. Yeah, so, you know, like, uh, obviously sad situation for that kid who's, who's been terrific, but, you know, when Maryland has to play without him for a full quarter, and up until that point they've run for 47 yards, I think, uh, and they're, you know, pretty much confined to the ground and then you can't stop them, you know, all, all of a sudden basically running the football. Um, then you've lost a big opportunity there. And there's just a, a few occasions, a few just giveaways, um, you know, just clear mistakes on Indiana's part that required not much at all uh, on the part of Maryland. Um, it's just, it, it is just a blatant missed opportunity. I mean, like, and, and I don't know. I mean, if they beat Maryland, do they, do they get to a bowl game? I don't know. But they at least get back into a situation where, okay, well, you can see a path. Yeah, they keep the path see a possibility. open, especially if they can beat Maryland and then translate that into a win against Rutgers this weekend. Then you've got five going into November, and you've and got All you need is to it. fall into one more, possibly, right. if it's if it's there. Yeah, um, which is hard, but still. I think it's, you know, the, the other thing is um, – Bad teams find ways to lose, and I don't know that Indiana is necessarily a, a bad team in the convention. Last year, it's was not a, a yeah, bad. It's team. not a bad team like last year was a bad team. Um, but but it's, it's not a very it's not good a, team. It's not yeah. It's probably not a, a patently good team. And teams right. that that fall below that category just tend to kind of find ways to lose. Indiana had been really good against the run this season. Mm-hmm. Um, absent the Illinois game, they'd mm-hmm. done very well the previous week against Michigan for long stretches. You know, Blake Corn popped that one run early, and other than that, they kind of kept. I mean, a Michigan team that ran for 400 mm-hmm. on Penn State a week later couldn't hurt Indiana on the ground that consistently. Not at that level. Late, no. late, yeah. late in the game, they did when the defense started to wear down. Right. But like, the point is, if you'd presented me 
a scenario, and again, no one was cheering for Talia Tagovailoa to get hurt on the Indiana sideline, obviously. Mm. But if you'd presented me, even as a neutral, the scenario, Indiana's going to be up three midway through the fourth quarter. Talia Tagovailoa is going to go out hurt, and Indiana's, right. I think, actually, if I'm not mistaken, going to get the ball back yeah. after he gets hurt, but with the lead. Yeah. Like, I don't think Maryland scored. Mm-hmm. I think Indiana. I think there was an Indiana drive between Tagovailoa going out hurt and Indiana giving up the lead. Right. Um, Maryland taking the lead for good. Yeah. And you would have said Maryland's basically just going to run the football from right. there. Mm-hmm. I would have said, yeah, I think Indiana's actually probably going to win that game because yeah. that would seem for a variety of reasons, both technical and schematic on Indiana's side and also just kind of the conventional rules of football. If you're playing from behind but you don't trust your quarterback to throw and you make yourself one-dimensional, Indiana would have seemed very likely to win that game to me. And I don't yeah. know what the, the win probabilities were. Um Right, but it just you know teams teams that fall short of their ambitions mm-hmm. lose games like this. Maybe we can find technical reasons for it, skill reasons for it, but it, it often the, the the consistent through line is just that they find the way. Yeah, because they just aren't consistent enough to right. seize the opportunities when they're presented. Right. Yeah, and and so it's it's just they're they're always going to be in a in a position because they're just not that great talent wise that they'll the games they'll be in will be decided by a handful of plays. Um, and, you know, and in a lot of those cases, they need all or most of them to go their way, and they generally don't. Um, you know, I think it's 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 weird to kind of form a through line, you know, and, and say, okay, well, this is their issue or, or whatnot, because you, you, you keep getting the same answers, I think, from, um, you know, it's okay, what went wrong against one, what went wrong here, what went wrong there. You get the same answers, and they're very pat, um, but on some level, it's like the fact that they keep saying it, I think really sort of stand out. Like they're like, well, you know, we just had one thing go wrong here, had some communication here. We didn't have everybody on the same page. We guys got to get everybody on the same page. And it's like, okay. So I asked a couple guys today, it's like, is there an uncommon amount of this? Like, did you, you know, Brian Fitzgerald, you're a six year player. Have you seen, is this worse than usual? Or is this just a standard amount of like just mistakes? Cause you've got 11 guys out there and something's going to go wrong. And he said, well, yeah, it's more like that. And so it's like, what it comes down to is it's not so much, it's not like there's a situation where this, this group is like, is blatantly bad at missed assignments or it's blatantly bad at communication or it's totally out there, but it's just a situation where because it's not that great, it's always in a position where it is like, it, it has to play darn near perfect. Um, and it doesn't cause it's just, it, it, it isn't that level of sound. It isn't that level of talented. And so all it takes is a couple of mistakes that aren't necessarily out of the ordinary. I, 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 I'm not, inordinate number of mistakes are enough to cost them games over and over again. Yeah. Um, I think the other disappointing thing, at least to some extent for Indiana here will, will be that it was that defense that mm-hmm. has, has not, you know, it's not like the offense has been the whole problem and the defense has been perfectly fine. Right. But that defense has, I think it felt like it had shaped up in a lot of ways. Right. Um, certainly from 2021, but even across the first six weeks of this season, and then you sort of, you know, here was a chance to sort of present the defense the opportunity to win the game. And not yeah. against Michigan, not against Ohio State in right. the horseshoe, yeah. but like a winnable game against a Maryland team that is, might be probably, you know, when I say like Maryland's better than Indiana, it's it's in the way that like 6-6 six and six Indiana was better than 5-7 and seven Maryland. Right. Like... We're we're probably splitting hairs, and Maryland's going to finish seven and five, and Indiana's going to finish four and eight, and we're going to say Maryland was clearly better than Indiana, 
if we could somehow quantify it, we'd probably be talking percentage points, but mm. the percentage points, th- th- this is what we talk about every year when we talk about, you know, teams yep. that live on the razor's edge. It's, it's how many of those percentage points can you get into your jar until you finally tip over the tip, the scale right. over yep. to where you need it to be. Maryland is doing that this year. Um, but you presented that defense an opportunity against a, a team that, that certainly could not expect to dominate it. And it seemed, I don't want to say tailor made, but it seemed like, again, an optimal situation for Tom Allen, yeah. for this team, as yeah. currently constructed, and they couldn't close it out. Yeah, no, 100%. Against an offense that passes the ball. Yeah, exactly. It's pass first and it's, pass It's Edwards. a throwing game, and they had to become sort of like an option attack almost. with Ed- I mean, Edwards is a good north and south downhill runner as a quarterback. Um, you know, it doesn't have the shiftiness that Tagovailoa has, but, you know, can, can get, you know, get him an alley, and, I mean, he can get you some yards. But, I mean, I, I think... Um, yeah, I mean they they had opportunities and I, and I and it is a big play. I mentioned it prominently in my insider, and I asked um, Tom about it then, and I asked Tom about it today. I mean, and I hadn't seen it until you know I watched the replay after the game. I I didn't see it live, and I didn't see it on the immediate replay. Um, but the the the, the monster Matthews um, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty obviously is a killer one. And, and and to to Alan's point, Alan says I just don't know how you call that in that situation. Like, and I think he's you know, I think he's got I a think, point. I, I think he absolutely has a point, but. You, you could see what he did. Like it's, it's not like it's, yeah. it's not like hidden. You know, you watch the video again. And I did. Somebody called me out on Twitter for it. So I just want to say I did eventually watch the uh, actual replay. Um, and the um, you know, like Matthews hits him, stands over him, doesn't stand over him in a way that Demas can't get up. You know, it wasn't like you know he was like he had pinned was, him or anything like that. It was very brief. It was brief, and it was like need to be allowed. Like people always. This this also happens where like a coach. We ask the question because yeah. people want us to ask the coach the question. Right. The coach then responds with a perfectly legitimate answer, which is, we weren't perfect. It wasn't the only reason we lost the game. Right. But in that situation, you know, a game should not, like, a, that call should not be made in a circumstance where it affects it the, the outcome of the game so substantially. It wasn't the first quarter when it was nothing, nothing. Right. It, it continues it, a drive that turns into a touchdown. Yes. If, if, if when that, Indiana it, had gotten an important stop. Yeah. The, the, the possession is over. And he, then the coach says yeah. what he says. Mm. And it's a perfectly valid opinion, and then people jump on that and so say you're you're, bl- you're blaming it all on the refs. You're making excuses you're like not just taking it. I mean, like I mean they've they've taken. I know it's nuanced. We're bad at that, but yeah, they've taken responsibility a hundred times over. I mean, let's be serious. I mean, they they do come out and say every time like we're not doing this good enough, we're not doing that good enough. It's you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, like it is what it is. Um, but no, I I think, but yeah. So, but but bottom line, I mean, that's like a small mistake. But it happened, you know. I mean, it, it was a situation where they needed to, they they needed to get you know get a stop. They had a stop, you know. If if Matthews just decides not to do anything, um, you know, just lets it go, it's their ball, and they have a chance to take control there. Instead, they allow allow a drive to continue, and it turns into a touchdown. Um, so it's like it's a small mistake. It's a forgivable mistake. It's not that drastic of a thing to do. I've seen much worse woofing in my day, um, but still. You know, that's just kind of what happened. So it's a tough deal for them. Um, a tough deal for him, I think. And obviously I asked him about it today and he said, yeah, you know, we just had a discussion. Like, hey, if you're going to do anything, you got to do it with your, your teammates. You can't stand over a guy. You know, I, I get why you did it. You had, I mean, and, and as Alan said, like Matthews made a really good play on the ball. Um, you know, Alan, at, uh, Taiwan Mullen actually knocked it away, but Matthews was there just in case it got there and he let him up. Um, 
and you know would have separated the ball from him had it got that far anyway um but you know it did a lot of things right and then does something wrong um the one other piece of football news i don't want to belabor the point too much because i know people probably want to talk more about basketball especially today yeah um Jack Tuttle transferring. I think there was a lot of understanding. First of all, I don't think anybody should be surprised he's, he's transferring. He's sure. got one year left. He's he's yeah. a backup behind Connor Bazelak, a, a, a guy that's not... got what two years left after this year. I think yeah. he's got another good looking young quarterback coming up the rails in Dexter Williams. Um, he got a lot of praise and rightly so, I suppose, from coaches today mm. you know with regard to sticking with the team and he's going to transfer yeah. but but basically there are these transfer windows now i think the first i think the the next one up is in december if yeah i'm not mistaken yeah um so basically you can't the point is you can enter the transfer portal you can announce your intention to transfer right now you can't actually transfer right and i don't think i'd have to go back and read all the rule changes i don't think you can engage in most recruiting activity campus visits that kind of thing mm. until that window opens. Right. Um, I think it's sure. I, I think it is, it is to Tuttle's credit that he's sticking around. On the other hand, I also just think this is going to become more commonplace. Like in my sure. mind, I li- I likened it to when Jacob deGrom in the, in the spring training said, I'm, I'm going to opt out of my contract. Right. It, it's basically like, that doesn't mean Jacob deGrom is going to down tools. It doesn't mean he's going right. to stop showing up. It doesn't mean you're not going to get his best. He's right. just saying at the end of the year, I'm going to go out and explore my options. Right. And so I think with these windows and, and with maybe the idea of the transfer portal and the transfer process being a little bit more regimented now right. than what it seemed, you know, Two three years ago, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see more of this, and and it and and more of the I guess maybe more of the idea it becomes just socially acceptable, yeah, to say I'm going to enter the portal at the end of the year. That doesn't mean that you can't count on me now. And sure, some guys right. will, will prove uncountable. Some yes. guys will leave, just leave the team, and right. some coaches, by their nature, will move away from guys that they know aren't going to be coming back. All that's fine, mm-hmm. but. You know, I'm just making this up, but if like right now today, Cam Camper said, I will be entering the portal at the end of the year, Indiana's going to keep throwing the ball to Cam Camper. Right, sure. And it's going to keep finding ways to get the most out of Cam Camper while he's an Indiana Hoosier. I just think this is going to become more common, I sure. guess is my point. Particularly this position. Yeah, that's fair. Particularly this position. I mean, there's there's different things when it comes to somebody who plays in a position that, that utilizes more rotation, you know, might get you on the field, um, stuff like that, 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 that somebody being like blocking you on the depth chart is not as, um, uh, not drastic a situation. It, it, you know, when you're a backup quarterback, you have a hard time getting on the field. Um, and you might be a really good player, and you might you, you probably have really good leadership skills. Everybody probably likes you uh, in a lot of cases, but you're in a position where there's just there there is not much of a path for you for playing time unless somebody gets hurt. Um, and that's where Jack Tuttle stands. It basically, I, I don't see a scenario um, if I, I think if Indiana makes a move, if Indiana were to say, well, Connor Bazelak's not effective enough, um, I think they move to Dexter Williams because it's a change of direction. Um, if you know, I think they would have to obviously plan for that and and put some, you know, time into preparing for that. Um, but, you know, Tuttle takes over as there, if there's an injury because Tuttle is close to, you know, Connor Bay's like from a skill point sta- or a skill set standpoint. If they feel like they need a separate skill set, if they feel like just w- this, what this is, you know, like the, if you just have a similar quarterback to baseline then all you're doing is just continue you know just continuing the same uh process then you look for dexter so the thing about it is is that it, it there's not a lot jack jack tuttle can do to get on the field 
other than somebody get hurt at this point. So I think this is one of those things that because it's like this, these things are going to be understood. You know, the team is going to understand. The coaching staff certainly understands. Everybody sees where this is coming from. So it's different, I think, at this position. And on top of that, I, I think obviously this will continue to be the case while, um, you know, basically the, the, the group of players who are around for COVID is still part of it as well. That guys have six years or fifth years or wherever it may be um, to use when you're talking about guys who have graduated. I mean, you know, really, Jack Tuttle would be out of eligibility after the season if not for COVID. So he gets another one. Um, and, you know, it's not a situation where he's like going away on something. You know, this is where, when he would have been done anyway. It's just similar. It, it ends up taking a similar process to graduation and saying, OK, we're, we're here. I've, I've made it this far. I've gotten two degrees here. I've given you four years of my life. Um, I want to go play someplace. It's a lot. A lot of that will be a lot easier to stomach. Now, when it gets back, once once all of those you know, all of that COVID crew has sort of passed through um, and everybody's gone, it's going to be a little bit different then. Like that's going to change the dynamic of transferring again when you not everybody has that extra year. You know, not everybody's graduating before they leave, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think will change the direction of, of how these things are viewed. But um, for a while, as, as guys are still passing through who had uh, got an extra year of eligibility in 2020 and therefore, you know, as, as Tom Allen said today, you know, Tuttle's going to graduate from Indiana with two degrees. I mean, he's going to get his MBA. So, you know, like, it's, it's like, okay, like, how much longer do you want the guy to stay? There's not there's not really an academic mission for him anymore. Um, so, you know, if he's going to get one more year, what's the point of it spending it sitting around? That makes for, for an easy sort of explanation, and it's not hard for anybody to say, okay, you know, Jack, good for you. Give us the next two months. That's great. You know, it's, you're, you're the same as graduating senior. You know, move along. Um. Just to be clear, there is no rumor Cam Camper is transferring. None whatsoever. If he enters the portal between now and when you hear this, what I have can't be taught. Um, (laughs) Let's pivot to basketball. AP rankings came out today. I know people tend to wave at those. Listen, that they exist largely, so you'll talk about them. Yes. And so we set the, so we can set the baseline somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana was thirteenth. It's the first year since nineteen seventy seven the Big Ten has not had an AP top ten team in the preseason. Wow. Um, which leads me to believe this will be the year that the league finally wins a national, national championship, championship just yep. for the aggro. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana is unsurprisingly this has tracked a lot of the the preseason rankings. Certainly, preseason sort of um, computer projections. Ken Pomeroy on Sunday morning updated his website. We're looking at it right now. We're, we're gazing upon it. Um, great radio, as you can imagine. Uh, the Big Ten is the third highest ranked conference in the country in Ken's initial run at 2022-2023. Indiana, as again, it, it has been pretty much everywhere, is 12th uh, in the country. I think that... I want to say that is exactly where Bart Bart Torvik has them, I guess, 11th now. Something must have changed because they were definitely not 11th before. Um, These things can fluctuate a little bit. Yeah, Illinois dropped just a bit in Torvik's. I think Indiana was 12th and Illinois was 13th. Now Indiana's 11th, Illinois 15th. What's interesting to me is, unlike Torvik, which has Illinois at 15, Michigan State at 24, uh, Ken Palm doesn't have anybody else in the top 20. Out of the mm. out of the Big Ten, Ken Palm sees some clear blue water, right, in its early projections between Indiana and the rest of the league. Yeah, I also think it's interesting, and I, I think this is 
a little bit reflective of the league. I think it's more reflective of all the uncertainty we've talked about. Indiana's currently projected as the conference champion on Kim Pomeroy. Uh, Kimpom.com, 13-7, and seven, which mm. I think would be about, I think would be the lowest number of wins it would be to win the conference in the, uh, what's it called, the 20-game the era. As we're yeah. talking, I'm scrolling back trying to find a 13-game conference champion. You have to go back to 2012 to find a team that won only 13 games and won a share of the conference. 5 when it was 18. When it was 18 games. There's yeah. never been – the COVID year was a little bit weird. Even then, yeah. Michigan won it at 14-3. and three. There's never been in the 20-game schedule a 13-game conference winner. Um, or a seven-game conference loser yeah, who won the title. You'd, you'd have to – again, you'd have to go back all the way to 2012, even in the 18-game schedule, mm. to find a 13 – game conference champion i think if you go back to like oh two yes indiana was uh one of the teams that shared the conference title in 2002 of course the year they went to the national championship game that was a four-way tie at 11 and 5 but now we're getting all the way back to the 13 game schedule game schedule yeah 13 game schedule that would be fun Mm -hmm. um the point i'm trying to make here is number one the indiana is not necessarily i guess what's the best way to phrase this Ken Pomeroy doesn't think it's going to take an amazing season to win the Big Ten, number one. Right. Number two, if Ken you... Ken Palm seems straight... Ken, this is straight chaos. Like, well, okay, you're that, looking that's, at these that's, that's what I was going to get to, is that yeah. behind Indiana, it's got Iowa, Purdue, and Michigan at 12-8, and eight, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Illinois at 11-9, and nine, and Penn State, Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Maryland all at 10-10. and 10. Now, these are projected... You know, this yeah. is going to change. But what I think this speaks to is you know the the human element the naked eye we've looked at the big 10 we've said we have no idea what to expect out of this conference because right. so much has changed everywhere yeah ohio state's lost six of its top eight scores iowa's got nothing but projectable players on its roster michigan mm. state doesn't have any forwards purdue doesn't have any guards right you know illinois is going to have to completely remake the way it plays basketball without kofi coburn yeah and we sort of assumed well, they'll just figure it out because the Big Ten's one of the best conferences in the country and these players and coaches are good. And it's, right. some, you know, we just yeah. we just don't know what it will look like yet. The computers basically are seeing it the way we're seeing it. Yeah. That's what this is telling me is that the computers mm. can't parse it either. No. The computers are looking at this league and they're just saying, you know, the best it, it, the, the, the best projections we can offer are going to have to be incredibly cautious. Right. Because exactly. there is so much unknown. Yeah. You just got to have to see these dudes take the floor. And that's what it comes down to is like projecting this league. And again, the, the reason Indiana is the favorite is there are enough guys that, you know, they, they bring the most guys back that you could say, I remember what he looked like. And I remember what those guys look like together. And like it's, and, and you can throw some freshmen in there that are really, really good and say, okay, well that, that they might have some more, much like I, 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 I get that that sounds like a simplistic argument to people. I encourage you to go look at the other rosters of the big. Like, exactly. It, really take a minute with it. It is yeah. not like I put together the USA Today preseason yeah. outlook, whatever. I thought I knew and I was staggered. Right. No, I just how uncertain the conference I did is. it in. Whenever Trace came back, I did a piece on, you know. I remember that. It was a good piece. Thank you. Uh, I did one just sort of just. Pre- projecting at that point you know power rankings where people belonged and yeah it's a wreck i mean like you you can like this this is about what i had i mean basically it's like iowa purdue michigan michigan state ohio state illinois and i threw wisconsin in there because they're wisconsin as like this is kind of the next tier but like i'd believe anything that's LaCroix, i promise i'm not drinking beer at two o'clock on a monday he's not i can i can clear i can confirm um 
But no, like it, it's just it it could go a bunch of different directions. I mean, I think Michigan gets Michigan and Purdue get a bit of an advantage. Michigan, Purdue, and Iowa all get advantages for because you know Iowa has Chris Murray, and there is this presumption that Chris Murray is going to be Keegan Murray. Um, and you know Michigan has Hunter Dickinson, Purdue has Zach Eady, and so then you have a you got something. you have a foundation. Yeah, you have somebody that you can look at and say, well, there is something that's going to be there that other teams don't have, um, or, or or that 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 someone's going to be able to beat dominant. You know, Michigan State, you have up there on the assumption that well, Tom Izzo will you know has a couple pieces that look all right, and the, it'll be and enough. He'll just Tom he'll, Izzo. he'll yeah. manufacture a big man. Somehow. Right. Ohio State and Illinois are up there because they got really good transfers and good freshmen. Um, you know, they, they, they have a ton of new pieces, but those new pieces look really good on paper. So they're up there. Um, you know, you put Wisconsin in the mix cause they're Wisconsin. They find a way to get in the mix. Like if, if you bury them, you, you know, take yeah. a chance at looking really stupid. And even if you put them at the sort of bottom edge of your next tier, you're going to look dumb. So that means we're all going to look dumb cause we all have them kind of at the bottom at like eight, but they're going to end up at like three cause that's what they do. You know, like even though their their roster doesn't, there's not nothing about their roster that jumps out to you. They'll find a way. Somebody like somebody will end up being Johnny Davis. Um, it just happens. So you know, or or not, and Tyler Wall just ends up being like Brian Butch. It's just that this is how way it goes for Wisconsin. Um, but like Penn State and Rutgers have just enough pieces to be a little even, bit dangerous. Even Maryland got some really yeah. good looking transfers, and they yeah, got more. They com- I know mm-hmm. that I know they lost. Uh, Maryland's going to get Ayala. Maryland's going to get right. Mar- Mar- yeah. It, it might not be now, Ayala, but Maryland's going to get right. But like. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they, they're bringing more back than people think. Hakeem Hart the, is back, Dante Scott is back, and you added some good-looking guards. Right, exactly. They're going to be better than you think. And but more to the point, I think Maryland's going to get good because um, I think I think Willard is going to Willard is doing a pretty fine job of getting DC talent. Um, and so I think they're going to have a they're going to have a stretch. I don't know how long they're going to be good, how good they're going to be, but they're going to get back to the top half within a year or two. So. What this tells me is, I'm going to give you a best case scenario for Indiana, or maybe like a, maybe an optimist's view, and then yeah. a, a pessimist's view. And I just mm. kind of want your thoughts on because I, I've basically kind of run through both of them since I saw this yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. The which do you want first? I'll give you the option. I'll t- I'll take the pessimist. Good view news first. or bad news? The pessimist the bad view news to first. me is that this does not rate the Big Ten very highly right now. Right, and. It still only sees Indiana winning 13 games. And again, we've yeah. talked about 13 has not been enough to win the conference in the conventional 20 game right. setup. Yeah. It's rarely even been enough to win the conference when it was at the 18 game schedule. Right. And this also projects Indiana to go. To, and listen, this is all preseason. But again, yeah. these projections exist because you want us to talk about them. So exactly. don't roll your eyes at them. Yeah. This projects Indiana to beat North Carolina, surprisingly to beat Xavier, but wow. that's basically a toss up at 71 70. To lose to both Arizona and Kansas, to lose to Iowa on the road, Michigan on the road, Purdue on the road, but and that's that's only what one two three one two three yeah. four five projected losses currently, but the 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 full projection, which basically I think accounts for the idea that you're not going to win every single coin toss game. Yeah, exactly. Has Indiana at twenty two and nine. 13 and 7 in the Big 10. Now that's perfectly fine. That gets you a 5 seed, a 6 seed, you know. Yeah. You're in the tournament. N- right. None of that's a concern. Right. But to me the pessimist's view is Indiana is the one proven commodity in a conference that otherwise the computers can't make any sense of. Right. And the computers don't still still don't think Indiana right is still necessarily going to dominate this. Now 
we've talked about the conference strength of schedule. That's not factored in right now. Yeah. Um, that that will only start once teams start playing games and, and like like you know Bart Torvik projects it all out. Yeah. Um, and if we go back here because again things have changed just a little bit. Um, on his projections lately, he's got Indiana with. Oh, that was 2022. Where's 2023? Where's 2023, Bart? Yes, sir. There it is. He's got Indiana with the fifth toughest, still the fifth toughest strength of schedule in the league. Um, so, but maybe some of it is the schedule, but one way or another, in a league the computer is so otherwise so uncertain about, mm. even the certainty Indiana brings is not giving them the separation you might like. If, right. If you buy stock and computer projections. Right. That's my pessimist's view. Okay. That makes sense because it's just you're still looking at it and saying, all right, like they have the most players. However, they have a pension for not being able to shoot. Um, there is you, – you can talk yourself into believing that this team will shoot better. You can tell yourself that right now and not feel stupid. You can say that, all right, if Xavier Johnson shoots the way that he shot – if Miller Cop gets a little bit better, if Jalen Hochefino can really shoot, if Tamar Bates just wipes away that freshman year, and you know you see that you 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 imagine all of the signs that you've seen in the limited sort of public preseason action we've seen so far, and project that to being the player that he was supposed to be when he arrived, um, you can talk yourself into imagining this is a good shooting team, um, but. The numbers still say, you know, yeah, the numbers still don't yet. add up great. Yeah, the the number the, the, they it, you, they haven't proven it yet. You know, like the you know, I I can imagine a lineup that includes, you know, Johnson, Hochefino, you know, uh, Bates or Cop, and then Thompson and Jackson Davis. Maybe let you know, may, maybe Trace can actually shoot it if he takes them. Who knows? You can talk yourself into believing that they won't be a bad shooting basketball team. Um, but you have seen the opposite for several years in a row so you know and yeah i don't i don't i mean you you zach just clicked on race thompson you a know a little better 30 in, yeah i mean yeah. if he can get from 28 percent to 32 percent right that just, goes I mean, that, that's we're literally talking about like maybe five more threes across the course of big 10 play yeah if race hits 20 to 25 you will take that he had 15 last year so you could talk yourself into believing it, but if you're the computers, you're still looking at it and say, well, the numbers say that you can't shoot and you didn't bring anybody that can in the, that has proven they can shoot someplace else. Um, you have only, you, you know, you have magic beans as far as shooters are concerned, but you don't have any provable, you know, statistical evidence that says that you're going to be a good shooting college, college basketball team. And therefore, we can't trust you. I think it gets back to just a more fundamental idea, which is about Indiana, which I've said since the spring, which is it's not a universal truth. Nothing is. But betting on floor rather than ceiling usually doesn't 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 pick a champion. Right. Like it's it's usually not unless unless a team is just clearly elite Indiana in 2013. But that team's floor wasn't. Number one overall, you know, number one seed in the Big Ten, sure. which is what they became. Yeah, that's not this team. And when you're betting on, when you're betting on basically just like that, you can trust they won't be any worse than this, right? That usually doesn't lend itself to them jumping all the way up to this right. over somebody else. Sure. Yeah. No. You, that you you can. That's definitely the argument. I think like. You know, I, I I feel like I've spent more time talking myself into them, and I don't know if I do that on if, if that's just a natural inclination for me. Is like over time you look at it and say, well, maybe because I can't, 
I don't see, you know, what these other teams are doing, like what what their freshmen look like, and imagining them as something great. Like, like I feel like I've pl- pretty well taught myself into believing that Jalen Hutchinson, Tamar Bates, Jordan Geronimo, and Malik Rain are going to be really good basketball players this but, year. But but to be fair to you, that is the one way that you start betting more on ceiling with Indiana than sure. floor. Like that, you, right. if you're betting on them, you are betting on ceiling. Right. If you're betting on floor, you're betting on Xavier Johnson, Race Thompson, Trace Jackson, Davis Miller, Cop. Right. If you're betting on ceiling, you're betting on the freshmen right. and the guys that last spring we identified right. to the naked eye as being yeah. the ones that needed to take yeah. the jump. To that point, if you imagine their most experienced players as their starters, which would be Johnson at the one, Galloway at the two, Cop at the three, Thompson at the four, Jackson Davis at the five, does that sound like a Big Ten champion to you? Well, I don't. I mean, I think we saw their starting lineup at Hoosier Stereo. Yeah, no, I agree too. I mean, I think at the two, cop at the three. Cop is the one that I could see if somebody really steps up on the second line, being a little bit more flexible. Bates or Geronimo, depending on what I mean, like depending on how they are. I mean, like maybe Galloway in certain situations, right? But defensive situations, basically situations where you don't need a shooter. Yeah. You know, like where, where, where that's not the point. Or where, where you, where you have somebody a lead. with a really big front line for whatever right. reason. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking in particular Geronimo. Right. Do you want the optimistic view? I'll take the optimistic view. The optimistic view. view is basically that the thing that has, I mean, and this is my opinion as much as anything. I don't want to project it onto other people. Um, but the thing that's held me back from, from feeling confident about Indiana, the thing that I flat out said kept me from voting Indiana to win the league was the schedule. Mm. And a lot of the schedule, a lot of that was supposing that enough of these teams were going to wind up being good. Right. It's possible, as you look at not just what humans think of of a team, Mm -hmm. but what computers think of a team, a a much more sort of unbiased whatever. Right. um, I think it is possible that these teams just aren't these teams just aren't that good. And that yeah. maybe Indiana winds up with a more difficult than average conference schedule. Right. But it's still not that hard. Mm-hmm. And okay, that might cost them if they can't pick up a couple valuable wins in the non conference, it might cost them on selection Sunday and seeding. Right. But it might open the path to fifteen Big Ten wins. Sure. Where we only see thirteen because we assume that surely, you know, seven, six, seven of these teams figure it out. Well, what if only Three or four do. And what if the Big Ten only has five, you know, what if we get to Selection Sunday and there's only five Big Ten teams that we can say for sure, like, right. they are in the field. We yeah. know it. Here's here's two or three more on the bubble, but these are in these the field. The, and that's all, yeah. I think that's that's the optimistic view is that the path overall may be easier. I mean, Ken Pomeroy, I think it's interesting. Indiana, and again, this is all projection. Right. Indiana <laughs> right now is 22nd in Pomeroy's uh, projected uh, adjusted offensive efficiency, 22nd nationally, ninth in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, Indiana is one of only two schools that has a single-digit number in either of those categories. Iowa's fifth in adjusted offensive efficiency. Indiana is the only school in the Big Ten that is top 25 in both in these projections. So you've got teams like Iowa and Purdue and Michigan, uh, Ohio State maybe to some extent, that Ken Palm's sort of projection C as being pretty good offensively. You got some teams like an Illinois or a Rutgers, maybe a Wisconsin, that teams see being good defensively. And we can nitpick at some of that stuff. I would be shocked if Purdue's not better defensively. Um, and I would be surprised. Then if they, 58. It, I, yeah. yeah but, well, I would, but I'd also be surprised if they're 
they have the 12th best offense in the country as things currently stand. Right. Illinois, that 27 number mm. is being pulled up by past performance that yeah. you cannot rely on without Kofi without Coburn, Kofi Coburn or yeah. any presence like Kofi Coburn. It's not it's not like it's not like Purdue where Purdue has you take Travion Williams you know, out and you throw yeah, Zach Eady in. Or Caleb then, First is coming. And so right. that it just we know that the Matt Painter is good at exchanging the pieces. Illinois did something very different to right. what Brad Underwood had done for a lot of his career with Kofi right. Coburn. Because he had a particularly... And now they're probably yeah. going back to it. Right. But we can't be sure until we see it. My point is, you look at numbers like those, and you maybe see a case for, okay, we may be betting on floor, but maybe every once in a while, floor is enough. Right. Because, and, and you know, again, to your point about guys that maybe are going to up Indiana's performance along the margins... You know, that's that does raise the ceiling. It does raise the floor, and maybe this is the year where it's enough in a in a Big Ten that that's probably not going to be as sturdy at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agreed, and and so it's like they they, yeah, there ultimately might be enough there, and you can you can you cannot say for certain that like you said, all of those teams. You know, in in my mind's eye right now, when I just sort of imagine how the league is going to go, you know, I'm looking at that the. the this the Ken Palm chart up there, you know, like I have a hard time. But right now, I see Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois figuring it out, and Iowa being Iowa, you know, like just what what they are under Fran. Which yeah, is, that I mean, that feels like the most reliable piece of all of this. Iowa's going to score a lot and allow a lot. Yeah, exactly. So like, there'll be nights where they they do enough, they score enough, you know, they get enough buckets. You know, maybe Chris Murray turns into three quarters of of Keegan Murray. Um, and that, you know, gets them some nights where they can hang a hundred on people and also give up a bunch. And so you, you know, it just depends on the scenario, but whether you get overrun by them or you end up taking advantage of all their inability to stop the ball. So, you know, like they'll be Iowa, but like Purdue, Michigan, Michigan state, Illinois and Ohio state will just, I have just a sense that they will find a way. But again, if even one of them doesn't. Yeah, you know, if even one of them doesn't, then the path gets a lot easier. And it's also hard to talk yourself into the teams at the bottom. Like I get your point about Wisconsin, and I agree, but like if you, you know, talking yourself into Rutgers is talking yourself really heavily into Paul Mulcahy. It really is, and, yeah, and Caleb McConnell. You yeah. know, talking yourself into Penn State, and I think Michael Shrewsbury is doing a good job there, but Same. I think they're probably another year away. Yeah, is talking yourself into basically a team running with no center. Yeah. And and winning in a league that is still going to be big dominant when you look at Trace Jackson Davis, yeah. Zach Eady, Hunter Dickinson, right? John um, Harar did a lot. Yeah, for like that he was program. one of the most under underappreciated. Really and, was. And, and Maryland. I said don't sleep on Maryland, but that wasn't me saying Maryland's going to win the conference either. Right. It's a first year coach. I, I'm sure it's a breath of fresh air. Every you know everything had gotten stale and kind of toxic under Turgeon, but. Just in general, I just I think that the the optimist view is basically just that we have a there's been a lot of assuming when we've talked about Indiana's path to a, a Big Ten championship, there has been a lot of assuming that it would be difficult simply because we assumed that these teams would get right. Yeah, yeah, that it would come together. There's and, kind and the, of just a world where maybe a number of them don't just don't. Yeah, and I mean some of them will just just by virtue of. Some of them will figure out enough that they're, they're, they're oh, have, yeah, they have no, to it's, form a it's top It's not half. like there's not going to be anybody else, anybody that's good in the Big Ten. Right. But at the same time, you know, if if these, you know, Iowa 23rd, 
nationally in oh, this is overall Ken Palm's preseason rankings Purdue 25th Michigan 26th Michigan State 31st Ohio State 32nd Illinois 33rd that's everybody in the top 45 yeah Penn State right now is ranked higher and probably deserves to be based on what we have seen mm-hmm. and things will change but based on what we've seen Penn State is ranked higher than Rutgers Wisconsin or Maryland yeah um you know it it, it just uh, it's not a guarantee that all of these schools all these teams are going to are going to to your nomenclature figure it out right we've assumed that because we just expect the big 10 to be good guess what every once in a while you know the big 10 only puts four teams in the what was it was 2014 the year they only had four teams in the tournament no they had six in the tournament um there was one 15 16 maybe no 16 i mean 16 they weren't very good 16 they had six the acc had four last year yeah so like it the point is it happens and even if listen again if you told me there's only six teams in the NCAA tournament out of this conference right now today, mm-hmm. I would tell you exactly what I said earlier, which is I think that hurts Indiana's chances for seeding yeah. unless they can pick up a couple big wins in the non-conference. Right. But if you told me right now there are only six NCAA tournament teams in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. I, I would tell you that improves Indiana's chances of winning, winning the league. conference. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you because it's, it's – I think That's when betting right on now, floor – yeah, is going to make things easier. Yeah, it's just like out of all of like I can't see, I can see Indiana not winning the league. I can't see them finishing outside the top five. Not right now. Not I mean, not unless a lot of these teams do figure it out. Right. Exactly. Unless unless all of them are way way better than we think. It, it, uh, just for comparison's sake, Torvik also does not have anyone that's top twenty five in both adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency, other than Indiana. He's got Indiana a little lower in both twenty mm-hmm. third offensively, twelfth defensively. Yeah, nobody else is. In fact, nobody else even has both in the top thirty. Right. Um. And again, they're all projections. Yeah. But and you're, I mean, you're looking at Ohio State way down this list. You have no idea what a house is going to be. No, like none. None. I mean, Illinois idea. is the one that, and I picked them to win the league. Yeah. But people but I mean, need to understand, yeah. like, Brad you're Underwood on Terrence Shannon and did Matthew not Mayer play being good. Yeah. basketball the way Illinois played basketball the last three years until he got Kofi Coburn. Right. Exactly. And he changed everything about the way he played right. because Kofi Coburn was such a unicorn in the way mm. that he could affect basketball games at both ends of the floor. Right. He was so physically dominant. He mm. was so capable of changing games right. that Brad Underwood just said, okay, we're going to stop doing – and it, it was weird because it, it always felt to me like the, 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 the tug of war in Champaign was that Brad Underwood kept building rosters mm. to play the way he wanted to play, up you know, right. higher tempo, press – you know, high pressure, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, the basketball, yeah. But then he'd have Kofi, who could not open up and run the floor because mm. you needed him to be effective in the half court. And you, right. you couldn't be wearing him down, running him up and down the floor at, you know, at a breakneck yeah. pace. And it always felt like the tug of war in Champaign was basically, you, you know, right. the, the guy that affects your team's fortunes the most is the one that is kind of holding back the way you seem to want to. So maybe Brad Underwood goes back to basics here, goes back to, you know, go, runs back home to what's the line from red October runs, runs back to home to mama. And it works because he's right. got the, the personnel to play it more the way he normally would. But maybe it, maybe there's growing pains. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing is just when you just have a force force of nature, like, yeah, like you had to, to change style and whatnot, but like, God, like I said, he was just—he was a huge, humongous human, and it was like, well, what's what's the point of 
adding degrees of difficulty here. Just throw the ball like big guy in the middle and, you know, slow the game down as, as it tends to be. Don't don't put him in a position where he's defending two people coming at him because he, you know, you're uh, your guards, you know, reach too far out to try to read a passing lane and end up halfway down half court without the basketball. And, you know, Kofi is defending two guys at once. Like, no, just pack it in a little bit, slow it down and, you know, force teams to deal with Kofi and other bodies when they try to go in the middle there. And you'll be hard to score on. And that's what they did. Anything else jump out here for you? I mean, uh, Illinois, no, is just, the, it's Illinois just, is the interesting one to me. Yeah, I, I mean, was maybe like the second most reliable Mm-hmm. Team and, in the conference, and, and you wouldn't me. call them reliable. I mean, like, I mean, they, well, they, they, reliable so in, much, reliable no. in what I expect them to be, because sure. you've still got Chris Murray, Tony Perkins, mm-hmm. Philip Rabraca, Patrick McCaffrey, Connor right. McCaffrey. Yeah, and to maximize it, you need all those guys to take a step forward. But to just be Iowa, yeah, where you score a ton of points and you can't defend well enough to win the league, yeah. You need. You mostly have what you have. What you need. Yeah. yeah. To be that. Yeah. To be that. You know. But you that, need natural progression to yeah. be a genuine Big Ten title contender. I think you need basically all those guys to take a sizable step. You forward. do, and you need like, you need somebody else out there to turn into Jordan Bohannon or Joe Joe Weiskamp, whatever they have, just down the bench. There has to be some guy that pops up and hits sixty threes this year. You know, to become to become an, a, a Big Ten contending Iowa team. Michigan State's the the other really fascinating one for me. Like, I mean, just like one of the underpinnings of of you know Tom Izzo ball mm-hmm. is is, and I've said this, I've always made this joke. Like Tom Izzo's, it's the Tom Izzo rule of roster management. You always have one more big man than you need. Right. They have no bigs. Right, they have several power forwards that they're going to have to hope. Like I mean, like somebody. Joey Hauser is their most proven front court player. If you, if and you, he's a, and he's if, a wing, yeah, he's a wing. He shoots yeah. threes. If you remove Malik Hall, because you're not going to ask Malik Hall to defend the rim, right. like you, as much because you don't want Malik Hall banging against Trace Jackson Davis on defense, no. you need him scoring on offense. Yeah, the next guy he got is Jackson Kohler. Yeah, like I mean, like it, you know, it's I mean, or it's it's Maddie Sissoko needs to take a jump that he's not shown. No. much evidence of being capable of it all. I yeah. mean, it's, it is, it's wild to me. Like it, it Purdue, I'm not, and I'm not making fun of Matt Painter. I'm not shocked that Purdue is, is so front court heavy, you know, yeah. that, that's that Purdue is kind of built a, a you know, kind of a, a, right. And they're a different, and, and this, I, I like wild on, on some level, you look at Purdue and say, okay, well, like all, all this kind of falls into reason, but you know, I've obviously been covering, you know, following that group pretty closely over the past couple of years. Like I'm fascinated by how this group is going to function. Um, because yeah. uh, cause it's, I'm, it's I'm an very... even more extreme case of what, like, can, can you play Mason Gillis, Caleb first and Zach Eady all on the same floor? Yeah. And I don't know that you can, but like also if what you're going to do then is have Gillis, Gillis is your starting four for an Edie is your starting five and then flip to first and Kaufman. And say like okay like we're we're gonna have two shifts of front court again like and say first is gonna be this smaller five, um, and we're gonna you're, you're gonna play sort of a, a wide open offense when you run those two together. But can you, you play two completely different styles? Can you can you be wide open when courts? you don't really have a point guard? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's the other issue. I mean, like, I mean, like, who is the point? Is it is David Jenkins the point? I, I, I don't, suppose I don't think he's a point guard. I mean, the interesting part, I think Ethan, part is I think Ethan Morton is might kind be the point, of guard. the point guard. Yeah, I mean, Ethan Morton obviously played point guard in high school. Now, Ethan Morton played point 
point guard in the Whippeal, uh, and you can do things in the Whippeal if you're an elite player that you can't necessarily people do don't in know college what the basketball. Western, people need Western to, Pennsylvania yeah, Interscholastic yeah. Athletic yeah. League, y'all. Um, I shouldn't say y'all to that. I mean Ian's. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Ethan, he's a terrific passer. Uh, you know, can handle it well enough. He's not necessarily breaking you down off the dribble at this level. Um, maybe you can shoot it a little bit. I'll be interested to see if it's Ethan, if they force, force if it's David Jenkins, if they force Fletcher Lawyer into that. But here's uh, or Bra- Braden Smith is kind of the only true here's, freshman. Here's kind of the, the the functional. I mean, Lawyer is the interesting one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the the functional doubt I have there is they did this with a much better player last year, and sure. it was still a problem. Right, and yeah. I, I don't think Jaden Ivey is a perfect player by any means, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm pretty confident that he was going to be more effective running, at least what we would nominally call point guard, right? Than any of these guys, just mm-hmm. because of his athletic ability, his basketball skill, his basketball IQ, right. just how much of a game changer he was as an individual, right? And this team still had those issues, right? Yeah, and there's not, and the thing was with Ivy is like. You could do some of the, some similar things with Ivy as they did with Carson Edwards. Is he wasn't necessarily the point guard. You know, he was running as the two. But you know, they do enough dribble weave stuff that you put the two in a lot of positions to make decisions. Yeah. Um. And and put him in a lot of attack positions. Um. And so they don't have a two like that. Um. You know, I think Brandon Newman can be a guy that can score. Um. But Newman doesn't have kind of that downhill ability that Ivy and um. Uh, th- th- that Ivy and Edwards has. So Newman fits more into the Carson Edwards, not the, the Carson Edwards, the Ryan Klein yeah. um, position, um, basically as, as more of a three, as Sasha Stefanovic kind of position where you put him in a position to make as many threes as you can. He's a little more athletic than those guys are, but he's not Ivy and he's not Edwards, you know, from from that. He's, he's obviously bigger than Edwards is, but he's not Ivy in any in any stretch. But you're going to get some points out of him, but there's not there's not a great point guard to run the show, and there's not a two that has the, the explosion um, that you saw from Edwards, that you saw from Ivy, but so, but you've got this talent at the four and the five, you know, two rows deep. So what? Do you, and what do you do with that? And how do you change that? And and at least three of those guys though are not back to the basket guys. You know, Gillis, First, and Kaufman can all step out. And that's that's helpful. And I also just think that's why Purdue's going to be a little bit better defensively, mm-hmm. um, is because they're going to be so lopsided that they're going to have to figure out ways to lock down the rim a little bit more. Right. But, you know, again, like, what was the main weak? What was one of Purdue's main weaknesses? And I don't want to go on forever. we we got to wrap this up we in a second. We spent a lot of time talking about Purdue. Um, we have. But, you know, I yeah, mean, it's just interesting to start really talking about the conference. Sure. Um, what was one of Purdue's main defensive weaknesses last year? It was that Zach Eady can't defend in space. Right. If you get Zach Eady five feet out from the in more than five feet out from the rim, yeah, you can dribble around him. You can put him into foul situations. Whatever. Right. You look at the other bigs in the conference. You know, go go back to this. Iowa's bigs are mobile. Indiana's yeah. bigs are mobile. Michigan's bigs are mobile. Yeah. To the extent that Illinois has bigs. You know that that it's going to use in those situations. They're probably mobile, right? There are going to be a lot of teams in this group that can take Zach Eady and put him in some really unfavorable ball screen situations, unless yes. something's changed. And so then it just comes back to the idea that we've can't we've assumed all these teams would figure it out mm. because the Big Ten is the Big Ten, and these these programs are what they are, and there's right. an established track record of success, and some of them will. Right. Iowa might be better defensively than we expect. Michigan might adapt in the freshman and the tran- the point guard transfer faster than we. Michigan, Tom Izzo might 
pull a rabbit out of his hat. Mm. You know, Illinois, Ohio State, Purdue, whatever. Right. But to me, the optimistic view is it's possible that they don't. Yeah. And that this just isn't a great league this year. And if it's not, that's when you buy the high floor team. Yeah. That's when you buy the team that maybe they're not great, yeah. but you know they can be really good. Right. And in particular, you know that they can be tough to beat at home, yeah. and they can defend the heck out of the ball. Yeah. And those are things that you are you can have your doubts about, you know, Indiana's shooting ability, Indiana's guard rotation, you know, the, the Mike Woodson's sort of use of the second line, whatever else. Um, but the you know, if this league just isn't great, mm. then I think there's a much more realistic chance for Indiana to win. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, it's just that they, they, they have fewer, again, they still have fewer questions than everybody else. They have questions. Like substantially fewer. They have substantially fewer questions than everybody else in the league. Like, it's, it's again, to Zach said it earlier, like, I, I didn't really have a sense of it until I dug into it in May. Um, really dig into rosters. I would just, just look like, just try to remember who you remember. Like, I mean, there's only, again, out of the 16 guys that made either the media or the coaches all Big Ten team, Three are back. Three. Jackson Davis, Edie, Dickinson. That's it. Like everybody else. I mean, you look at you look at the all the all Big Ten team that, that they threw together for, for uh Big Ten Media Days last week. I mean, there was throw that was throwing darts at the wall as much yeah. as I've ever seen. I mean, like, totally how, how, there are so many years where like guys get left off that you're like of, of a preseason thing where like well, that that guy's got three years as a starter. He's been terrific. He absolutely deserves to be on a preseason all Big Ten team. But who are you gonna take off? This year was like Oh wow! Yeah, there was. I mean, there's a lot of projection. Yeah, it was just anything, and it was heavily positionally skewed. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't remember my ballot exactly, but it had Jackson Davis, Dickinson, Edie, and Cliff Amore. Yeah, four mm-hmm. guys in ten spots who were all effectively Flat, fives. fives. Yeah, definitely fives. And yeah, like I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, like everyone expected Xavier Johnson to be on it, and you know, Chucky Hepburn got on it. That was one of the, I think the biggest uh, surprises out of that group. But man, like you know. Whereas we we've talked at length about how much better Xavier Johnson got and whatnot, I mean, and you know, obviously both of us have a lot of good things to say about Xavier Johnson, but like there was also a period where everyone was like, "What is yeah. he doing?" Yeah. You know, like you got the like there that stretch toward the end, he was terrific, but you you obviously remember the erratic periods too. Um, so that, that that's like the biggest you know sort of obvious snub. It was like, how could you not think that Xavier Johnson's the best point guard in the May ten? It's like, man, like not not long ago, you're like, is Xavier Johnson the third, the fourth, the fifth? You know, like he's not close to this, but you know, now you, you could obviously easily make the argument that he's the best returning point guard in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think I had him. I had him on my first team. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about basketball. I mean, we are coming it's that up time. On, I mean, and Indiana football is three and four. So yeah, I mean, here we go. This this did feel like the weekend that I think that page turned. And I'm not trying to be flippant. This isn't like, oh, it's basketball season. Like this felt like the weekend it it flipped. Yeah. Um, because and it's chilly out. Guess what? It's got that feel. They play Marion in twelve days. Yeah. Which, by the way, did they really have to schedule the game on the bye week? On the Saturday of the bye week, like do it this Sunday. Come on. I don't care about the NFL. The Falcons are terrible. I mean, they're actually not <laughs> terrible, but they're the yeah. Falcons, so mm. I, they will eventually become terrible in right. whatever. But but as far as I'm concerned, the only team. two good teams in the NFL played yesterday. Like Buffalo and Kansas City might be the only really two good teams in the NFL. Like, do we maybe really, Philly. Do we really have to do an exhibition at 3 yeah, p.m.? I, I say no. There's going to be really good football that day. There's going to be a World Series game that night. 
You know, if anybody totally in Cook Hall's listening, yeah, shame on you. But I'm also glad you didn't do the if 28th because my wife listening. and I are going to Amanda Shire. So thanks for not doing that. Well, thanks for rubbing that in. You should come. Yeah, maybe I will. 28th Friday. Could be. There you go. It's movie night. We're going to watch go. Dawn of the Dinosaurs for the 38th time. <laughs> He's Dustin DePirac. I'm Zach Osterman. This has been Mind Your Banners for October 17th, 2022. We went a little long today, but we have a lot more to talk about during the crossover. Yeah. Um, we'll be back into the week, Dustin, just to yeah. get ready for Rutgers. Why sure. not? Uh, between now and then, we'll talk to you soon. Wait, I guess you get my point. Reason. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of. Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.